The Sunday Major is back to the USA. America's Card Room is kicking off 2018 with a Texas Hold'em-sized bang that could change your life. Beginning January 7th, America's Card Room is hosting the biggest Sunday Major on the planet with $1,001,000 on the table every week. Yes, $1,001,000 guaranteed. Forget about just one time to change your life. The $1,001,000 guaranteed tournament is happening weekly, all for just $265 a pop. For all the info, check out americascardroom.eu. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 200 on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by americascardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from americascardroom.com, simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the ads or banners on the OneOuter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash OneOuter. This episode and all other previous episodes are on oneouter.com website and also via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then please email questions at oneouter.com or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, there's no real fanfare, but we are here and that's enough fanfare. It's episode 200. Um, I did sort of suggest that we maybe do something special for it, and Alex says, nah. So <laughs> we're here with a standard episode, but it's never a standard episode on the OneOuter.com podcast, especially the Ask Alex shows. The questions that we've got today are really good. We had a break last week, and those of you who did listen to episode 199 will know that we're going to open the show with a good question from a guy that wrote in. So... Alex, it's episode 200. If you want to just uh, throw your uh, tuppence worth, as we say in the UK, or your two cents worth, as you guys say, um, on 200 episodes. Well, it's funny you reference my two cents worth, because right now I'm trying to send you about 60 quid, which I owe you, which makes me feel like you know, this is still a fly-by-night operation, right? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's like it's you only... Like we have seen, he shortchanged me last month. But yeah, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's really funny. You're like 200 episodes, and I'm sitting here trying to make payroll, like one of those old failing sports leagues. Like, yeah, yeah, we got it. Like, don't worry about it. And uh, <laughs> like... Everything's going to be all right, old chap. Boy, if we're going to get this one going, it's going to happen this time. But yeah, when he says keep the lights on, he's, we're not joking. He's, he's not kidding. You know. <laughs> he's not. Well, and it's also my voice is raspier because uh, I've been working all week doing a lot of lessons and doing some podcasts with – not podcasts, some webinars with Jonathan Little – and it's funny because this episode is a lot like the first episode, <laughs> which was because back then I was teaching quite a bit. And yeah, how many years ago was that we started? Well, I started, I'm trying to, I started one out in 2010. So that's eight years ago. And I think you were the, I think you were the fourth guest, maybe the third guest, actually. I think it was. Jungle Man, Phil Helmuth, and then maybe you or someone, maybe it was someone else. One of these is 
not like the other. Continue. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't. I peak too soon, you know. Um, and then <laughs> I think we've been doing the Ask Alex show since like twenty fifteen, maybe three years. Is that it? <laughs> Feels like well, a lot more whenever I gotta talk to you, buddy. Maybe twenty fourteen because we initially started it monthly. I think we did it monthly or or twice monthly, and then America's card room got in touch and said they wanted it weekly, and we decided to go for that. Um, so if you even go weekly, you know it's fifty two episodes. We're on two hundred, so it would be four years, maybe four and a bit. So yeah, probably twenty fourteen. I would say maybe the end of twenty thirteen we started it. Yeah, around that and. I feel like we need to get all the sound effects in from the last 200 episodes. We need some barking dogs, some construction workers, some reggaeton, some uh, put gremlins in the radiator. Just everything from Newark to San Jose to Bullhead City, all the different locales. Prague, what, Montreal? Yeah, now that I think of it, we recorded this. China. Uh, no, I did them before I went, but we've always referenced it, yeah. Yeah, we, we've referenced China quite a bit. Yeah, I, if I can say one thing about the last 200 episodes, it was just occurring to me lately how strange it is. Well, somebody asked me the other day, like, where's your website? Why do you not have a poker website? It's pretty weird. One of the more active tournament coaches on the market doesn't have a dedicated website and it really got me thinking as to what I was doing at the beginning which was I used to do lessons just to pay my bills I assume that was just something you had to do when you were a professional poker player especially if you were on a backing contract because when you're playing 10k tournaments you might not get paid out you might get paid out 10 times in one year and you might not get paid out for four years. It just depends on how things are going. There's just not that many 10K events and you can have a bad run or a good run. And I was always, you know, making a little money, but not a ton of money. Not like when I was starting in poker. I had my, I had my deep runs and stuff. Uh, I had that deep run in the PCA one year. I had another deep run in the PCA, a 5K event. There was there was the W Coop event win, there was the Scoop win and stuff like that. But it was always good money, but it was more like keep the lights on, keep things going. And I was just coaching because it seemed like the responsible thing to do. It's like, look, I don't have a college degree. If someone's gonna pay me $150 an hour to talk, you're getting 75 minutes, my friend. Like I am there, we are going to work. And eventually I just, I started accepting that, well, look, this is your job, right? If you, this is gonna be your job, you should be more prepared. If you were a carpenter, you should have the best tools when you show up on the job site. So I started crafting lesson plans and I started crafting videos that I just sent to my students for when I wasn't around because obviously 
I can only meet so many guys during the week. So what I would do is like, hey, I know I can't get you in for three weeks, but I repeated this 200 times anyway. So I, I can record it with my eyes closed. Uh, so I recorded it. Then I started adding visuals and I started sending that to my students and people started trading those and it became a big thing. And the one thing I really appreciate about this podcast, because the other thing with the podcast was, I thought that was a neat way to answer all the questions that come into my emails because people send me really kind emails, but they have poker questions sometimes and I just don't have time to answer most of the time. And it was really nice. Uh, actually, at the beginning, I was funding this a little bit more myself uh, between Barry and I. Uh, Barry obviously did it all at the beginning. And then when I said, hey, you know, ditch that... Uh, you know, B-movie all-star Phil Hellmuth and get with the real champ, Alex Fitzgerald, right? The real headliner. Anyway, I had to put put it together. And it was mostly just to answer those questions. And it was really nice how everything really grew organically. Like the info products just grew out of things I was sending to my students and seeing the students was just something I thought was responsible to keep the lights on while you were chasing the tournament stuff. And then the podcast started out as just a way that I could answer questions. People really didn't care about the quality at the beginning because they just thought it was so neat. They could send a question in and get it answered. And it's been really neat how over these years, the one, we've learned how to mute our microphones when the other person is speaking Two, we've, Barry, you know, after a meager seven years has upgraded his laptop from the one that needs to get connected to the big screen TV in his house, right? But all seri in all seriousness, it's nice that the production value has become more slick. We've learned how to speak for radio a little bit more. My coaching practice has grown in a way I never thought it would my info product business has grown in a way I never thought it would. And that all really came together organically from just essentially what we're doing right now, having fun, talking about poker, talking honestly about poker, talking about what we really think about poker, not trying to present a facade of like, oh, I just spent $3,000 on a steak dinner while I was off in Monte Carlo, not in a Oh, you wouldn't believe what I just bought with my winnings in a, hey, this is real poker. This is how it is. I love that you guys always accepted that. I remember one time I won a really big tournament and the next day on the podcast, I just said, you said, how are you doing with all the money? And I said, yeah, that covered my makeup. That was it, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I didn't even think twice about it because lying on the show is just not allowed, right? And... It, it, it's just not our presentation, right? And it was interesting how everybody who wrote in was just saying, oh, that's so interesting. I never knew people went through that. I actually got a few pros who wrote in who said, nobody's ever really talked about that before. It's really neat that you let people know how poker is. And the nice thing about this podcast is I feel we've always been rewarded for just being ourselves, answering things honestly, doing things the right way. 
in my honest opinion. I want to thank you guys for allowing us to be ourselves. Yeah. I would I would definitely echo that what Alex has just said. And it's kind of true we've we've touched on it before when we originally started doing it. You know, I think I was yeah, I sort of stopped playing poker certainly as much. I wasn't playing poker for a living anymore and a little bit jaded with things and fell out of love with playing it and Alex was a little bit the same as well at points, you know, didn't really want to play sometimes and but was play, was playing to, you know, pay the bills, etc. And then it's kind of went full circle and with me in Vegas last year really enjoying that trip and it was a poker trip. I went on my own and just played poker and uh, ate nice food and it was great. I had real, you know, a good time. And Alex now is certainly you can tell in his voice and his products and his newsletters that he's more passionate about the game than ever and at another level from even four years ago or whatever in terms of his uh, analytical approach to the game and stuff. So, yeah, it's been fun. It's been constructive and everybody's made a little money. And I, I think our listeners as well. I mean, we've had... We've had a listener, Chase Bianchi, who won a bracelet. Um, we had another guy uh, who won, I can't remember his name, I, I'm sorry, uh, but I do follow him on Twitter. Um, he won the major on America's Card Room for like six figures as well. And a few listeners do get in touch with like scores and final tables and how they've changed their life with poker and stuff. And they're always thanking the podcast. So. That does mean a lot. It's not me just saying that, you know, like, oh, thanks. But it does. It means a lot. We do appreciate the the loyal listeners. And I know some of you are just finding out about the show the last year and you're working back from the start. Um, so you'll get the full experience. And it's great to hear that because that's what I do when I find podcasts that I really like. I go, wow, this is great. And then I go and look and I'm like, yes, there's 80 episodes of this I can work through. And it gives you something to look forward to. So... It's just great being on the other side of that. And I I don't take it for granted and neither does Alex. So we do thank you uh, for listening. Um, Alex, is there anything else you want to touch on, say, like a sort of what well, I've just done, like an Oscar acceptance speech? Or, <laughs> or, or do you want... Oh, we were nominated for some awards, American Poker Awards as well. Yeah, we didn't get that nice. short list, but yeah. that, that was good. Well... Uh, yeah, they get they got us to mention them on the podcast, so I think they got what they wanted out of our short list. <laughs> but uh, anywho, well, um, if you've got anything else to add, then take these take these moments. If not, I think we are going to just get into the questions today for the show. Two minutes. All I ever wanted to say, guys, is. When I first got into teaching people and stuff like that, the sales part really weirded me out. I always just thought of myself as a poker player, a card player, like a pretty not I didn't even see myself as that great of a card player. I was very curious about the game. I was very passionate about the life it gave me away from poverty, but I always saw myself as the journeyman, just the guy People always said, why don't you play in Vegas? And I would always answer, because I'm not good enough to make it in Vegas. I played in Europe because the games were softer back then. I, I played in Korea because the games were softer back then. 
big part of the reason I'm on the East Coast. Games are softer out here. And I never had any reservations about who I was. But when you start broadcasting who you truly think you are to the world, you think you're going to be accepting some criticism. And especially when you're selling something, because there's always the suspicion that, hey, this person is saying this because he is just trying to drum up sales. And I very early on, I took on the idea that sales is actually working in this business on the sidelines a little bit, trying to help people out. That is perfectly noble as long as you give more than you take. You must give more than you take. And that's why I, if you follow my newsletter, there's a free article every single day. There's a free podcast every single week. There's free videos, concept videos, uh, with statistical breakdowns and question and answer sections and quizzes and hand history analyses. Hours long. There's some of those every couple of weeks. And all this stuff is free because I always had the goal to give more than I took. Always to give more than I took. Because then it was noble, then it was right, then it was actually a service. And the reason I say that is I want you to know when I hear about you guys winning, I legitimately fist pump at this computer because I want you guys to have a living if that's your goal. I want you guys to make more money if that's your goal. I want you guys to succeed even if you just play recreationally. And it's so fun to hear that because the beautiful thing about this business is nobody has to lose. No, normally someone loses. Well, I don't know about that, but in a lot of transactions, someone loses. And the fact that we can sit here and you don't have to, you can just listen to 200 of these episodes of Poker Lessons for free if you want, I think is the most badass thing in the world. And I love that you guys enable Barry and I to do that, that you're such good supporters. You're always there for us. You're always encouraging us. It means a lot. So really from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Let's let's answer some questions. Yeah, let's get into the questions. Now, this one is a really good question. I find it really interesting. And it's from Andres, and it is, I'm looking to move to a country to play .com. So I'm assuming he's talking poker stars. I am from Spain. This country has to be cheap, not rainy, 0% taxes. Your suggestion. Now, if we can extrapolate that to just people that are looking to move to play poker as well, Alex, so that everyone can get something out of it. Maybe somebody that will put up with a little bit of rain or a rather than 0% taxes, smaller taxes, etc. So what's your thoughts on that for Andres and anybody else that's wanting to move out their home country or we're assuming their country of birth and move somewhere in order to play poker for a living? Andres, really good question. Uh, I really appreciate you sending this in. I also want to point out the cool thing about the One Outer podcast is we can talk about this kind of thing. It's not just, 
you know, did you get your Sklansky box on this hand and things like that. We can also talk about currency leveraging and some things that are pretty interesting to Barry and I. And I really like that Barry's always on these calls because Barry just the consummate hustler, always on the side of the action, headed out to China to make his living. He's always got some angles. So it, I really wanted to say thank you for this question. This one's awesome. Well, I've always said one of the biggest advantages you can have when you play poker online is you can live anywhere. I, I have a few jokes, which is when people say, oh, the thing I love about online poker is it allows you to pick your schedule. I'm like, yeah, you have the freedom to pick your schedule as long as you want to play every hour of every single day. You have a lot of freedom. But one of the real ways you can have actual financial freedom is if you currency leverage. So the first condition for wherever you want to move is currency leveraging. How strong is the US dollar versus the currency that's going to be used in the country you decide upon? And also, if you're going to be in a specific city in that country, how strong is your currency versus the average purchasing power of the dollar in that particular city? So. Let me give you an example. Perhaps if you went out to Argentina, you could currency leverage a little bit. I'm thinking off the top of my head. Uh, it's a very beautiful country. You speak Spanish. They speak Spanish. You, you could be fine there. Uh, the, pro the thing is, though, if you're in Buenos Aires, <laughs> Buenos Aires, your, uh, your purchasing power is going to be pretty similar to Spain. It's a... I don't know how expensive the city is, but I've heard it's a little pricier, right? So the question then becomes, what do you really want? I think it's a really good idea to pull out a pad of paper and write down what are the five things you want from the place you live? And how much money are you willing to spend on that? I have no qualms with living in New York City because I love this city. I love that there is always something to do. I love the action. I love the speed. I love how fast it makes me, how keyed up it makes me. I love all the people I'm around. It gets me very passionate to live my life and I make more money than I ever spend here off of that. But those things are very important to me. If those are not important to you, this is a terrible place to be because the purchasing power of a dollar is very bad in New York City. It is the financial capital of the world. Therefore, prices go up a little bit. Now, let's say you his conditions were warm, right? That was no rain. That was the big one. Yeah, no rain. Well, if you're going to play on the dot-com sites, I do believe they still have a lot of North American centric tournaments. So whenever you're playing tournament poker, you have to ask yourself, what kind of schedule do you want to take? Cause well, I just, uh, I had a friend of mine offer to set me up in India to play poker there, but let's say I was going to play the dot com sites. I'd be starting at midnight, right? That would be uh if I was teaching, I'd be teaching at midnight. So that, that was a tough one. When 
I did what you did, my friend, Andres, uh, in 2007, which was, hey, I wanted to live in Europe. I wanted to live on the beach. I wanted quick access to the European poker tour because at the time, I'm sorry, European poker has surpassed American poker when it comes to just technical ability. But at the time, Europe was a lot softer. So I went to Malta because it was at the time it was very cheap. It was very warm. Uh, Taxes are about 2% in Malta. Only problem being tournament day starts at 7 p.m. <laughs> so you finish at 7 a.m. And I would go out and have a pizza and a beer and everybody thought I was a raging alcoholic at 8 a.m. So <laughs> you, uh, you do have to look at the schedule with the dot-com sites. Another thing I would think about good sir, is if you can get on any sites outside of the dot-com sites. The dot-com sites are proliferated with a lot of really good European talent these days. I would much rather play on America's card room. I actually had my student yesterday, he's from Greece. He said, you know, if I, if I didn't have to be awake at 6 a.m., I'd only be playing on ACR. And if you can get on one of these smaller networks, I really think one smaller softer network is worth more than all the dot-coms. I really believe that. So if you have a connection to a country, that's a big deal. Say like you have a connection to Canada. Well, now you can get on some of their lottery sites, right? You have a connection to Sweden while well, your purchasing power is going to be pretty bad with the dollar, but you can get on one of their lottery sites. Uh, let's say you can go out to Asia and get on some of their sites. You have a connection there. Well, that would more be the play. More generally speaking, if you're into warm, you want no rain. I, I would honestly recommend, now I lived in Costa Rica for seven years. I love Costa Rica, but your purchasing power with the dollar is not what it used to be. Prices have really gone up in that country. Uh, little bit of political unrest right now. Still a great option. I would prefer Costa Rica to Mexico. Uh, I'm also thinking of Spanish-speaking countries just because that would make you very comfortable. It's, it, it's one of those things. Everybody has this romantic notion of living in a foreign culture. Look, I spent 10 years of my life outside of the United States in mostly countries that didn't speak English. I learned a lot of a lot of different languages. to a day where you wish to be understood completely. And it's going to be very frustrating if the other person doesn't understand you. There, there were a lot of times I was in Spanish-speaking countries and the other person spoke fluent English, but there's turns of phrase in American English that are absolutely preposterous if you think about them and break them down. And that causes lots of friction. So if your first language is Spanish, Lucky for you, my friend, lucky you have, like, the world is your oyster. Montevideo, Uruguay, I've heard really good things about. It's very cheap. I've heard very dry. Uh, Costa Rica is really nice. Uh, I had a lot of fun in Panama City, a lot of action there, kind of dirty, uh, but it, a lot of poker going on. Uh, Mexico is nice, but obviously has some issues. 
right now, just a little bit of political unrest. It, Mexico City is gorgeous. The people are extremely sweet. It's, it's a very nice country, but if it were me, I'd be more into Uruguay myself. A buddy of mine swears up and down on the name of Ecuador, says it's the best food, the best coffee he's ever had, and everything's just, it costs pennies, right? My, my father lives in Brazil. I've spent, I've been lucky enough to spend some time in Brazil. A lot of action, very expensive in a lot of places. So if you think you can handle that, a lot of action down there if you want to go after the re-eyes. Now, if you're just going to play the dot-com sites, though, I, I think you could currency leverage a lot harder. Now, for the rest of you guys asking, well, those aren't my priorities. Where would I like to live? Well, let me run down a few priorities that some people put down. Some guys say to make as much money as possible. Now, if you're trying to make as much money as possible, and I really mean like you're going to play eight hours locally live cash, and then you're going to play eight hours online, like you're just that hungry, you're looking for the newest poker market. And you got to be an animal because some of these markets, you're going to be like a fish out of water when you're there. You're going to have to pick up another language. You're going to have to watch your ass because nothing is more obvious of a mark than a foreigner at a poker table winning a pot. They even see how much money you have when you go to cash out, right? So you got to be smart. You have to, you have to find a way. You have to really watch how you get to and from the casino. A lot of times you can just talk to the casino and they have drivers and stuff like that. And then it's their ass if anything happens to you. And you can have security walk you out. But I would always pick the newest markets. A lot of people, of course, swear up and down by Asia right now. I never had a ton of success in Asia, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh most of my success came in Europe. I uh, was really obviously lucky to make the Italian final table. Uh, did, did get pretty, a lot of my early money from uh, cash games came from Eastern Europe. Uh, not playing there, but playing on one of their sites. I, I don't think there's a ton of money in Europe now. I, I'm always amazed by how intelligent my European students are. And the, the thing I find is among my American students, I find a few rogues who I think, oh my God, this guy could be really, really good one day. But the thing I notice with a lot of European players is they're just so well studied on what is game theory optimal play. And that's really hard to beat. And I don't know if the dot-com sites are really where you want to be for that. Uh, if you're playing lower stakes, okay, that's fine. If you're playing, iPoker used to be a lot better. Party, I think, is still pretty decent. But I, I think getting out of Europe is generally a really good idea because a lot of guys can, can play in Europe, right? Asia, really good. Uh, Latin America, really good market. The east, eastern part of the United States live, I... 
I'm amazed by how much money is flowing around the Washington, D.C. area, Baltimore, stuff like that. Uh, Florida is obviously tougher. Atlantic City is still tough. Montreal is getting tougher. Uh, st there's still money out there, but you, you got to pick your battles a little bit. And now, if money isn't, let's say money is not your big goal, right? Oh, India. India is also where there's a lot going on right now. I forgot to say India. So Asia, India, you got to think a billion people in each of these markets, newer markets, there's going to be a lot of people gambling around. Uh, if it were me, if I were 19, I'm off to India, my friend. I, I'd get there and I would, I would just try to figure it out. Uh, but that assumes you have no dependence or anything like that, right? Now, if your goal, uh, and by the way, I'm assuming most people who are writing in this question are young men. If you have kids, if you have a wife, I think that's got to be most of the equation. Where are the kids going to feel comfortable? Where is the wife going to feel comfortable? And where can you still make a couple of bucks? I think in that case, if you're from Europe, I every time I've been lucky enough to go to Eastern Europe or Central Europe, I'm always amazed by how efficient everything is. I wouldn't accuse the people of being overly friendly, but I'm always amazed by the really good prices, the real the really beautiful cities, the feeling of safety in a lot of the bigger cities that I just didn't expect just being an uneducated American. Maybe out there would be a little bit interesting. The United States, really, Canada, extremely safe. I would, I would talk about that a little bit more. Now, if your goal is, I want to play poker the least amount and party as much as possible, or... I just want to not worry about a whole lot and I want to hang out by the beach quite a bit. Well, then your options, my understanding is Cambodia is the new Thailand. I've heard amazing things about a few cities in Cambodia, uh, just about how calm it is out there. Thailand, I personally visited. I, I have never met nicer people in my life than in the Thai, than in Thailand in the Philippines, it's if you watch yourself, if you're not stupid, like don't go buy drugs and all that, right? If you just stick to the beach and come on into a gated community at night, you really got nothing to worry about. And I never in the Philippines and Thailand, I, I always thought it was breathtaking how kind the people were, and it was really nice weather, just really affordable, everything. The schedule out there, not great though for tournaments. You, I had to learn how to play cash when I was uh, out in that part of the world. And if you wanna be on the tournament schedule, and I really recommend you play on ACR, my friend. If you wanna be on the tournament schedule in North America, my friends out in uh, Montevideo and uh, Uruguay are just saying, like, this is paradise, man. Everything's cheap. Uh, buddy of my, a buddy of mine, I think, is renting, like, a three-bedroom there for, like, 900 bucks a month, 
right? So him and his two buddies pay 300 bucks a month. And it's like a, it's like a penthouse apartment. They got the, you know, they got the balcony overlooking the city and everything. And look, the other thing is don't commit yourself to year long leases. One of the big problems I had when I started is I showed up in Malta when I was 20 years old. They didn't know what a poker player was at that time. They would find out very quickly what they were about a year or two later. But they didn't know what a poker player was at that time. They didn't really know why this American wanted to live there. And I had to convince this guy when I was 20 years old to rent me out his apartment. And obviously, he he had some reservations, as anybody with a couple functioning brain cells would, about renting out apartments to a 20-year-old gambler. I had to sign a lease for one year there, right? Now, you don't have to do that now with Airbnb. Airbnb, <clears throat> I actually, when I was living in Newark, I had a really nice place in Newark, really affordable. And I had a lease on Airbnb, B&B, that just deducted my rent every month from my PayPal account. So you can get short-term leases on Airbnb for like three or six months. You can also just rent a place for a couple months, see how it is. I would really recommend doing that before you commit to anything long-term. So one example was after I was moving on from Costa Rica because I wanted a change, I spent a month out in Prague. Uh, one of the most enjoyable months of my life. Uh, I got to meet Riards Dobelis and his lovely wife got to see my friends out there, got to play some events, got to have Christmas in Prague. And I brought my mom and sister out there. A lot of fun. Uh, actually, one of the most fun months of my life. Just incredible. But after about a month, I said, yeah, you know, I, I just I think I'm ready to go back to the States. This was a lot of fun. But no. Whereas if I had committed to like a six month lease, a year lease, now you find yourself in quite a predicament, right? And with Airbnb, BNB, you can just get out of that really quick. The other thing is, if you wanna make your money stretch farther, this might sound a little off topic, but it's not, you gotta to learn to cook. I spent a lot less money in Prague than I thought I was going to, especially with my mom and sister there, because I cooked half the meals. And in a lot of these countries, foodstuffs are a lot cheaper than they are in the States or wherever first world country you live in, especially if they have to do a lot of importing and exporting, right? So there was, I mean, the food was, uh, it was a lot of like farm food in Prague that was pretty cheap, but like you know, sausage and steak and eggs and stuff like that. But it was amazing and it was cheap. And I, I got to cook that a lot. And really recommend taking the Airbnb route, running it out for a couple months. And the other thing about relocating that I'm just going to finish on is don't burn your bridges on the way out. 
I, when I left the United States at 19, I always, I just never felt like I fit in, in the States. I, I just, I didn't, just being where I was from, there was not a lot of opportunity. And I felt like I was judged for being poor. And then I felt I was uh, treated unfairly when I made money, not that people were taking it, being mean to me, but it was now like I could commit no wrong. It was just, oh yeah, this guy's a great guy now that he's successful. And I always really be, that I was really bitter about that because if you ever talk to my girlfriend, she'll tell you like, yeah, in high school, like he wore the same sweater like every day and it had holes in it. And then, you know, people had a certain way of talking to me at that time. And suddenly when I had money and I had new clothes, everybody had a different way of talking to me. And I was very bitter about the United States. And I, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go somewhere they do appreciate me. Whatever culture you're from, you are from that culture, whether you want to admit it or not. And... After about 10 years abroad, I came back to the States. I realized I'm very much one of these people. And all the things I thought about other people were mostly constructions of my mind. Most people were treating me better because I held myself in a different way once I had some money and I had the common decency to take care of my hygiene once I had money. People were understandably wary of me when I wore the same dirty clothes all day because somebody who doesn't even care about their appearance might not be in a good standing mentally. Everything was created in my mind. And if you're looking for a solution to your problems, your social problems by moving abroad, it's not going to happen. There's a reason why expats Ten all over the world, when you meet expats, they tend to be a little different, right? And that's all I'm going to say. But there's a reason they're like that. I think a lot of people that decide I'm going to leave this culture and I'm going to go into another culture and just be absorbed into it and everybody will understand me more here. I think that is rot of insecurity. And Wherever you are, that's where you are, as the old phrase goes. So take care of your own stuff on your own time and do not expect a new country and their innocent occupants to absolve you of your sins. Good luck to you. Yeah, and I'd just like to add, um, Alex touched on it in terms of if you are young, free, single, don't have any commitments, you know, aren't going to miss a, you know, a lot of family or friends or whatever, and you're really looking to just jump in, then definitely you could just hop around in terms of short-term leases. And the UK, poker's considered gambling, so it's tax-free here. So you could come here in this, we actually had a proper summer this year for the first time in about 15 years. Um, so, and I know down south in England, sort of London, Cornwall, like, down in south uh, of the UK, it gets really good weather in the summer. 
So you could even come to the UK um, in the summer, play here, get an Airbnb or whatever else, short-term lease, and then move around. Like Alex said, Asia, definitely. But I think Malta's 5% tax now. Um, I think the best thing to do would be look at one of these nomad sites, uh, nomadic sites, and it's they're a lot more versed in the current uh, regulations, what you need to be residents or at least temporary residency in these countries and all the ins and outs of uh, different taxation. But I would say from even personal experience, because for what I do for a living, technically I could do it from anywhere, you know, on the planet as well. And I've thought like maybe go out and, you know, live in Hong Kong or China for maybe, you know, you get a six month visa in Hong Kong on a, UK passport as soon as you got off the plane you know go there try that and then really sort of live there and and work from there and try and find things and stuff but there's a lot more to it like Alex has said than just cheap taxes and you know sunshine you've got to I think it's really really dependent on you as a person and for me like you know a lot of my family's close here all my family's you know close by friends etc and I'm a bit of a creature of comfort as well once I am somewhere. So I think there's a lot to it in terms of moving in. So, But some guys, it's just, yeah, let's let's go get up and go somewhere where it's going to make me an extra 10, 15%. And I think that's a young, definitely a young man's game. I mean, I'm 35. Alex, what, you 30 or 31? I am 30, my friend. 30. And... I think it is a those ten years, twenty to thirty, they're definitely different. So I would say that, like, don't get me wrong. If you're forty years old, you have no commitments, and you want to go and travel the world and play poker, then good luck to you. Definitely jump in. But for some guys, I think there is a lot more to it than just where's the lowest taxation, where's the best one. Right, I'm going there, sort of thing. I mean. Um, I would like to think that you should be trying to have a little bit more sort of rounding in terms of if it's going to be a long-term idea, like I'm going to go and stay in this country for a year, two years, possibly longer, you know, if it goes well. I would definitely weigh up a lot more in terms of going and testing the country first, maybe stay there for a few months, see how you are, and then try somewhere else in that, because it is a big commitment regardless of your age. And that. There is more to life than just not paying any tax, I'd say, you know, in, in terms of on your poker winnings. Yeah, it's well, I was doing the math the other day, Barry, because so it's funny you bring up the United Kingdom. One part of me I've been thinking about lately is I would like to see Scotland. I would like to live in Scotland or England or just somewhere to say I did it so I Maybe I experienced some time in Belfast, uh, just somewhere in the United Kingdom, right? And I was looking at it, and I was looking at my tax rate when I live. I got to pay New York state tax, and I got to pay U.S. income tax here. And when you travel abroad, your income tax on the first $90,000 is excused, right? So that's the equivalent of me having free rent, in a lot of the United Kingdom, right? When you think of the amount of money I would be saving. Now, but even then, I'm not sure I want to do it because of what you're talking about, which is 
I am an American. I like my American television. I like walking down the streets and arguing with people in my own accent and knowing they understand me and not standing out, right? I never used to understand that as a, you bring it up, it's a young man's game, right? I'm really glad I spent my 20s abroad because one thing I notice is I come back to the States and they all talk about like, oh, you know, in Denmark they do it. I'm like, I spent a month of my life in Denmark. What you just told what you said is totally not true. I know you've never visited the country and I'm really glad I have that perspective. But I also know like my life is not going to be solved by living somewhere else mm -hmm. as many people think. But I do think when you're young, it's really good to go out there and see a lot of different places to, to experience love and loss and to try to learn new languages and to have fun and everything. But as you get older, I used to wonder one thing about just being a huge baseball fan when you're not like good enough to make it in major league baseball here, you can actually get pretty sweet contracts in Japan and South Korea. But a lot of American baseball players are like, no, I'm not going there. And I used to think, oh my God, you guys are such wusses. Why would you do that? Now I get it because being a fish out of water and having people look at you different, being treated different, not, not because anybody has any ill intention, but because they don't know who the hell you are and they can't understand you in your language. Being poked and prodded that way unintentionally, that gets real old really quick once you're in your 30s. You get sick of it. And yeah, I'm, I'm someone of comfort myself. I like basketball at night. I like my American television. I like everybody leave me alone, right? And... Yeah, that's not something I had when I was in my 20s. But it, if it's if you're a young guy, go sick. There was no Airbnb when I started. Please take advantage of what I didn't have. Go see a lot of different months. Uh, go to see a lot of different cities for a month or so. Have fun, but don't burn your bridges. And don't get anyone pregnant while you're at it. <laughs> yeah, that's good advice in any country. Um Okay, that's all we got time for for the 200th episode. Alex, how can people get in touch with you for further information on your products, get onto the newsletter, etc.? You know what, guys? I just want to say one thing, uh, and it's not an Oscar acceptance speech this time. I know we did very much a romanticized, classic, one-outer episode today, but next week, I'm telling Barry right now, questions from start to finish because we got a little bit of a backlog right barry yeah there's a few questions in the there's, middle what we'll do is uh we'll keep barry and i's personal bsing to less than five minutes next week and we'll just do as many questions as possible try to do the you know push 60 minutes on and get as many of them as possible thank you guys so much a lot of you guys have sent me really good questions after my recent podcasts and stuff like that uh, I, I, excuse me, my recent webinars, and I really appreciate that. If so, I'm going to tr try my best to get them all answered next week. As far as uh, getting free content every single day of your life, go to pokerheadrush.com in the top right corner, sign up for the newsletter. Please ignore how my old blog looks because I promise you that newsletter looks a lot prettier 
and it has a lot of great content. Tell them how great the newsletter is, Barry. It's fantastic. And as I say, I catch the odd one, read it on the day if I've got time at that moment when I check my email. But otherwise, I keep them in my inbox and then go back to them and then read a few of them one after the other. And they're always good. It keeps the brain ticking over for someone like myself that hasn't been playing much recently. I played a game a couple of weeks ago live. Didn't go that great tournament. And then, uh, yeah, so it, it's good. It keeps your it keeps your poker brain going. And for guys that are playing for a living or even playing semi-professionally, uh, to get that, you know, every day, every second day, whatever, and read it is just, you know, it's, you should be doing that. Your check is literally in the mail, Barry. Your e-check <laughs> that I owed you at the beginning is oh, in the mail. This time, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, okay. No, but guys, I've literally been writing about poker and filming lectures about poker since 2007. I have hard drives full of writing about the game, concepts, quizzes, and stuff. So something I've really committed to myself recently is just sending out something every single day. A lot of this stuff nobody's ever seen because it appeared in one magazine that in Europe like a year ago that the magazine folded or something like that. Just if you sign up for the newsletter, you get to see all of it. You'll love it. I promise. Follow me on Twitter at the Auto. Follow my training videos at Tournament Poker Edge and my weekly column at America's Card Room's blog. And thank you to America's Card Room for keeping this jalopy on the road for 200 episodes. Yeah, and thanks to everyone who's listened tweeted, sent in kind emails, questions, etc. It's uh, It's been good. Here's to the next 200. We'll see where we are then. Uh, thanks for listening. Keep your questions coming in for Alex on a future show. Email questions at oneouter.com. Follow us on Twitter at oneouter.com and we will get them read out for you. Alex, thanks for joining uh, me again. And personal, you know, mano a mano, uh, thanks for spending the last uh, 200 episodes, plus the odd little other uh, extra appearance you've had on the oneouter.com podcast. It's always been fun, informative, and you've only really had a go at me once in your newsletter, and that was this year. So <laughs> that's <laughs> much appreciated. <laughs> okay. I appreciate working with you too, man. You sound like a real live host. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. Cheers. God love you all. The Sunday Major is back to the USA. America's Card Room is kicking off 2018 with a Texas Hold'em-sized bang that could change your life. Beginning January 7th, America's Card Room is hosting the biggest Sunday Major on the planet with $1,001,000 on the table every week. Yes, $1,001,000 guaranteed. Forget about just one time to change your life. The $1,001,000 guaranteed tournament is happening weekly, all for just $265 a pop. For all the info, check out americascardroom.eu.